0: Desi and welcome back to my podcast Candle in a Dark Room. So today my guest is Allie Whitworth. Allie Whitworth is a mother of three kids. Her and her husband were married for seven years when unfortunately he died unexpectedly at the age of 26. Today I have Allie on here to talk about her story and explain kind of how it happened so unexpectedly, um, what led up to the issue and then just how her and her kids are dealing with it now and what they've been through. Um, As you guys know, I recently lost my dad, so I've dealt with some grief in that way, but what Allie has dealt with, I can't even imagine. I'm excited to have her on and just kind of explain all of this to you guys and hopefully help somebody who's going through something similar. So Allie, welcome to my podcast. Thank you. Do you just want to kind of start from the beginning and just tell us everything that happened?
1: Yeah. Um. So kind of a backstory, Kale and I were married in 2012 and we'd met in high school. So we'd been married, yeah, just about seven years. And We had three kids and I guess like right before he had gotten sick, we had gone on a vacation and had like a really good experience as a family and kind of leading up to his death, we had some different opportunities come up uh, with life, with work, and we were in a pretty good place where we kind of just felt like things were good, like things were great actually. We just had our son. He was just about six months old. And, um, yeah, so we went on a vacation and we went to California for a week with our family and went to the beach and Disneyland and had a great time. When we got home, he'd gone back to work and he kind of dealt with allergies like his whole life. And so I would say it was probably a week and a half, two weeks after our vacation, he had been dealing with like some allergy like symptoms. So he thought that it was just allergies, was taking like his flonase, things like that. And then um, mm-hmm. it got to the point where on a Wednesday he was started having a fever, started having more symptoms. So I thought it was just like a typical man cold and, you know, trying to like take care of him. He stayed home from work and mm-hmm. um, by Friday saw that his symptoms had gotten significantly worse. He had chills, fever, was kind of disoriented a little bit couldn't really control his temperature yeah so being who he was he never he never really liked going to the doctor or anything so he always would like ride out any illness he did have but Mm -hmm. on Friday I'd kind of realized that whatever was happening with him was just not a normal sickness or at least what we had kind of experienced in the past being together for so long
0: mm-hmm. and
1: with the kids being so young i i kind of wanted to avoid anything serious with them too with ledger being 6 months old and like if it were the flu or whatever else so mm-hmm. i had called his parents to see if they could come up and watch the kids so that I could take him to the urgent care and they did so they came up we went to urgent care this was Friday night and it was right before the urgent care closed I think we were the last people in there and he had gone checked out they did a flu swab they I guess said he tested positive for influenza a you know I'll kind of like skip some details but basically they just said you have the flu Um, here's some medication like Tamiflu, cough Mm -hmm. syrup, you know, that'll help you rest and that'll help with your symptoms. And you just kind of got to ride it out. So at that point, when we got home, uh, we figured that it'd be best for him to sleep in the basement since Ledger slept in our room Mm -hmm. and to avoid getting the kids sick. So He went to bed that night, the next day woke up feeling a little bit better. The Tamiflu, as some people may know if they've taken it, it can often make you feel worse, like very physically ill, but Mm -hmm. it does help with shortening the the time frame with influenza A.
0: So it makes it stronger, but... Yeah, like it's shortened.
1: Exactly. Yeah, like the side effects, a lot of people won't take it because the side effects are like vomiting and it can make you feel like worse, but it's supposed to shorten the time frame of which you have influenza A. So he had taken that and was, you know, got this stuff called liquid IV, basically just trying to take care of him because they said you kind of have to ride it out. So we did that. I took the kids to a birthday party and like kind of went throughout my day with the kids. while he rested at home and then that night Kale needed to take some paperwork to work so him and I left the kids with one of our neighbors and we went and grabbed something to go to eat and he was feeling a little bit better. We had like some chats in the car and I, he was like, yeah, I think I might be feeling a little bit better. Like, I'm not really entirely sure. We went to his office and he kind of turned in some paperwork and on the way home, he was saying, I have like some chest tightness, but I feel, I can't tell if it's like anxiety or if it's like me being sick but I just kind of feel like very heavy on my chest long story short we got home we put the kids to bed and I kissed him good night and when I went upstairs I kind of had a feeling I should text him just that I loved him and And then I like hoped he felt better and I just was really feeling bad for him because I could tell he was just, just wasn't feeling himself. And so yeah, I sent him a text. He texted me right back. He went to sleep in the basement and the next morning my daughter and I woke up and we went to go check on him and he had passed away in his sleep. So that was just, you know, traumatic as anyone can imagine just my daughter like jumped on the bed to like wake him up like daddy wake up let's let's make breakfast how are you feeling and like then when I turned on the light I realized something was like not
0: mm-hmm. right
1: but I, at the same time I didn't realize that he had died either right. so yeah that's kind of like so my, what happened right.
0: when that when that happened like because obviously you dealt with some major trauma because of this it was so unexpected what was your reaction like and what did you do what was like your first reaction because your daughter was there right
1: yeah um to be honest like you often like see in movies and you see like you know tv show whatever the media how people react and they're like instantly like sobbing, screaming, like fall to the floor, like, you know, kind of freak out and have this moment. I was in complete shock. And I, I just remember turning on the light and my daughter was on top of him. And I just instantly, I think I like yelled, screamed, maybe just told her to like get out. And we immediately ran, we were all the way in the basement. We ran all the way upstairs. I like dragged her with me, Um, to my neighbor's house and I was banging on their door and I was at the same time was calling 911 and I was trying to wake my neighbors up so they could stay with her because Mm -hmm. then she was she was reacting to my reaction and I didn't want her seeing anything so I was on the phone with 911 my neighbors didn't answer the door so we ran back because the operator was like, you need to get down there. You need to start performing CPR. We need to tell you what to do. And at this point, I still, it was not registering in my brain that he was dead or could have he been. He was already I thought maybe gone, Yeah, I thought he was just like unconscious or Mm -hmm. he was just in a really, like he was really sick and couldn't wake up. So I left my daughter on the main floor, told her not to leave that spot. I had to go back downstairs and they, you know, were instructing me how to give CPR. So I had to get him to the floor, started performing what I could. And in the middle of while they were giving me instructions, my phone call dropped because I was in the basement. There's not a lot of phone Mm -hmm. service in our area. Or in the basement, so I was just frantically trying to do what I could to revive him. And mm-hmm. then I heard my daughter screaming, like that someone was there. So I knew it was the paramedics. I ran out and met them in the hall. And then they told me to go upstairs. At that point, um, okay. so that whole time I hadn't even really cried because I still had no idea what was happening.
0: Right. I
1: I was in complete shock. If I could go back and watch myself, like I don't even know. I don't even know how I was reacting, to be honest.
0: Yeah. You're like you said, you're in complete shock. And in that moment, you know, like you said, you have no idea like what if he was passed out or what was going to happen. Hopefully they can get him back. What happened with the outcome? Obviously the paramedics went down there and then I remember your story of your mother was on the phone, your mother-in-law. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, from that point, they had me go upstairs there was probably six or seven different paramedics in the basement working with him. And I would say it was probably, I know that they worked on him for 28 minutes. So I would say for about that time frame, the battalion chief for the fire department kept coming up and down the stairs, asking me questions, asking the last time I spoke to him, saw him last time he took his medication, mm-hmm. if I heard him in the middle of the night and like all these different questions. So in my mind, I was hopeful because I thought, well, if he's asking me all these questions, that's a good sign that they're like right. something maybe kills reacting to something. they are just figure out what's happening. And so they gave me no inclination that he had passed away at this point. Mm-hmm. And then I had my mother in law on the phone. They were driving up from Colorado Springs. So it was about a 45 minute drive. I think I had her on speaker and the, the last time he came up to me, he just said, I just want to let you know, we've, you know, tried everything that we could do. And he started speaking. And at that point, my mother-in-law, she and my father-in-law have been in the fire department for, I mean, I don't even know how many years, like their whole career. So mm-hmm. she, as soon as he started speaking, I didn't understand what he was going to say yet, but she did because Uh she has to give this talk to people her whole career so she immediately started yelling like no 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 and and then he said I'm sorry like he's he's gone. There's nothing we can do. We tried everything. And at that point, I just vividly remember I was sitting on my couch and I just remember like holding my hand to my neck and I just was like squeezing my neck and like wanting to pass out. Like I, at that Mm -hmm. point, I just felt like I just wanted to pass out and wake up and this not be real. And Mm -hmm. at that point I started just trembling and crying. And so that's when my reaction really started because up until Mm -hmm. then I was just kind of felt like I was like floating around, not really knowing what was happening. It felt like five minutes, but really it was about half an hour.
0: Wow. Yeah. I remember when I read your story, it just, I came across it somehow. I don't even remember how I came across it. And I like was bawling in the middle of the night, like sobbing. And I was just like, I have to reach out to her. Like I can't even imagine like what she's going through at such a young age and like losing your husband so first off I just want to say that I am so sorry that that happened Thank to you, you and your children um how was it to explain to your children obviously you're grieving and that you're trying to explain it to them um how is the grieving process for them after that they fully understand has it taken a while for them to fully process I would say I mean well first
1: that day Whenever everything started happening, it like news started spreading really fast with like our neighbors that we were pretty close with. And then, you know, I, I was calling family and I called our best friends. So like people, I mean, we had so many people just show up at our house that day and like the days following just wanting to help the port. And, um, but that day alone, I had the coroner came to our house and they were asking for a lot of different things. And so, because it, it turned into an investigation, because of his Mm. age and he was healthy and he died at home. They were just trying to figure out what happened. And at that point, I didn't have any answers either. Like we had no idea if it was a heart issue, heart attack, um, medicine related, the illness, we had no idea. And so my mind was kind of running a million miles an hour because my fears were I wasn't there to help him. I wasn't there to save him. What if he would have been in bed with me? Would I have known? Could I have done something else? And so I kind of went through this, you know, traumatic period right after they told me that he had passed. And then you know, everyone was showing up, but then at some point, my neighbors had taken our our kids to their house so that they didn't have to experience the commotion and the paramedics and the coroner and all of that, asking me and interviewing me questions, things like that. Right. But then I realized like Rue was there with me, like and she has no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I think like I can I can talk about a lot of this without getting emotional anymore, just because it's such a deep part of me and it's a part of our story. But what Mm -hmm. does make me emotional is, you know, my kids and what they're experiencing. And I had to have that conversation with LaRue. And I just, my mother-in-law came with me and we took her to her room. And she was five at the time, but she's, anyone who knows her, like she's very, she's an old soul. She's very Mm -hmm. mature. She's very with it. You would think she was like, you know, 14 with personality and and knowledge that she has. So she knew something had happened and I had to explain to her that her dad had died. And for someone who, I mean, I had, I had only lost one grandparent before this, so I hadn't even experienced death really. And then to explain to my daughter who has never been around it, it was devastating. I mean, you're right. basically telling your child that their world has just, you know, crashed and burned and she literally sat there with me. Exactly. So I had the conversation with her and I remember certain points of what I said, but again, like things were just a blur too at the same time, but she just, you know, sobbed and she understood exactly what I was saying. I didn't have to even really go into detail. She just, you know, immediately she started crying and then I was crying. And then what touched me the most is like, she wanted to take care of me when she saw me crying. She's the one who literally like picked my face up and was like, we're going to be okay. And daddy's with Jesus. And she started having like the inspiration for me, which is insane for me to think about that my five year old was who was comforting me in that moment when it should have been me comforting her. But yeah. she has been, I mean, out of all three of my kids, she's really the only one who understood what was happening because Lola, my well, at the time Lola was two okay. and Ledger was six months, so they had no idea. But right. now, as we navigate through our grief, Lola is now 3 and talking and you know just 2 days ago she I was filling her cereal up with milk and she's like guess what mom guess what and then like yeah what like what's up and she goes daddy's coming back daddy's coming back he's coming and you know and then and then there'll be days where she's like I miss daddy or daddy died like she can't process the right way to th- say things so it's pretty incredible to see how transparent kids are and they're so raw in with their emotions and right. um, how they explain things. It's like so beautiful, but yet yeah, it can also be really sad, but... Mm-hmm. It's an everyday thing that we navigate.
0: And like you said, I think they're a lot smarter than I think most of us even realize. So my daughter's five. And like I told you, my dad passed away in February and he was only 48. It was unexpected. Well, it wasn't unexpected. Excuse me. He had cancer, but it happened a lot quicker than we expected. And so she's at that age. She's five and my son seven. And they both had just had their moments of the other day. My daughter was sleeping, got up at midnight and was just sobbing like saying, where's my, my lethal? I, I don't understand why he's not coming back. And, you know, I think that that age, like at first, I think she knew he was dead, like had passed away and was sad and, you know, cried. But as the days have gone by and the months have gone by, I think she's starting to realize that he's not coming back. And that's like starting to kick in to them. You know, it's like you said, it's so interesting to see how kids, Process grief, especially when they've never really been through it before. Yeah. How have you helped your daughter? go through the grieving process especially since she was Um, old enough to understand
1: so pretty soon after he passed I think it was maybe two three weeks I did get her into a child specialist a therapist in grief so she actually started therapy before I did because although she was very strong and collected about it at times she did go through breakdowns and experienced Mm -hmm. like some anxiety and you know, we could be going throughout our day and she'd be playing. And then that evening have just a massive meltdown before bed. And that occasionally happens now too. I mean, like you said, like, I think they, they're so resilient and she goes through her days and she knows that her dad has passed away and she knows where he is and she knows that we'll, you know, be with him again. And, but it's still like, she'll have moments where she's like, I just really, miss him or I just wish he was here for this or like she'll have periods too where she's like I don't understand why this happened and why he can't come back and you know so I got her into a therapist pretty soon after it happened and that helped a lot she went every week for a period of time then every other week and then graduated to once a month and now she really only goes as needed they ended up making like a memory book to where like we go through that pretty frequently where it's like pictures and she wrote stories about him and memories that they have. And mm-hmm. I've tried my best to like navigate it too, because my thing is I want this to be something that strengthens us. And if we're going to go through this, i have to be a part of our story in a way that we can grow from it and learn from it and, and make it not that you can make death like a good thing, but I want it to become something that strengthens us rather than something that weakens us. And I don't want my kids to grow up thinking they're victims because of this or that they're weaker than others because of it. And so we talk about him all the time and he's a part of our daily life and always will be. And Mm -hmm. I tell them all the time, like we can do hard things and we can get through this. And But I struggle too. I'm not perfect and my mm-hmm. grief isn't perfect either. No one's is and everyone handles it differently. So it's just an everyday journey of how you navigate through it.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what I was going to ask you is this is so fresh for me for just the grief that I'm going through. And I, I, when I have my moments, I'm like, I don't see the light at the end of like, at the end of this, what is it that you do that's helped you? Like when you're having these moments of grief, I
1: would say it goes through waves of what helps. There's things that I've noticed that worsen it. There's things that I've noticed that help. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that I can say for anyone going through anything, whether it's grief, loss, just struggles in life, and mm-hmm. you know, marriage, parenting is awareness. I had to be. I had to learn to be aware of, okay, this is what I'm doing today and I feel good. What am I doing today that's helping me feel good today? Or Mm -hmm. days that I have like my breakdowns or, you know, the trauma or the anxiety is heavy. I try to stop and be aware of like, Hey, what do I think is worsening this? What is it? The music that I'm listening to? Is it who I'm surrounding myself with? Is it the place that I'm at? And I try to be very aware of what I'm doing. That's helped me a lot. My faith I would say whether it doesn't matter what religion you are, what beliefs you have, just hold on to whatever your faith is, whatever beliefs you do have. That's something that immediately, like the day that he died, I remember Mm -hmm. laying in this truck and just sobbing and praying out loud and just having this like complete moment where I felt so strengthened in my deepest, darkest moment that Mm -hmm. I had just an overwhelming feeling like. I'm going to be okay. Like, this is not going to be easy. It's, it's actually going to be the hardest thing I'll ever probably have to go through, but mm-hmm. it's going to be okay somehow, some way I will survive this. And, you know, I've had many days since then where I thought like I was going to die from the pain that I myself mm-hmm. would die from the anxiety or just the heartache or loneliness. I mean, all of it. But Mm. awareness and and my faith and just really taking it, not even day by day, but like minute by minute, hour by hour, that Mm. honestly people would say that to me and it wouldn't make sense for me But at the time. But now looking back, it's like how you get through those moments and what you know lifts you up, like stick to those things. What you know brings Mm. you down, stay away from those things. And it's being aware of, of those things altogether.
0: Alright guys, so if you follow me on Instagram, you've probably seen me wearing and repping the cutest leggings and workout gear. Well, all of that is from my ladies at Clone Apparel. The founder, Alex, was actually a guest on episode 10, Darkness Before Dawn, on season 1, which was about suicide prevention. Clone specializes in apparel for every booty and boob type. Plus, they have stuff for men as well. I can literally go from recording this podcast to the gym to picking up my kids and never have to worry about them moving, scrunching, or showing my booty. They are squat-proof, moisture-wicking, and did I mention, super affordable. I'm talking nothing over $45. They will be launching new styles, including high-waisted workout shorts, this month, which I seriously cannot wait for check out the clone highlight on my Instagram page and make sure you follow them on Facebook and or Instagram at clone apparel that's k-l-o-n apparel and the link to their website is in the bio also if you use the discount code candle in a dark room one word you will get 20% off so make sure you check them out now you will not regret it absolutely like you're saying just explaining that and how you the stuff that you're going through and the grief that you've been through it breaks my heart for my stepmom, you know, she's 38 years old and is a widow. And was unexpected. And we're trying to support her, but we're going through grief as his kids, but we're trying to support her as his wife. It's obviously completely different and a lot more devastating. So what advice can you give to family and friends on how to help someone who's going through grief? Because I know from experience when my dad passed away, people say things and sometimes I'm like, Kate, that is not like the right thing to say, but I know that they're coming from a good place in their heart. Um, But my stepmom and I have actually talked about this. Somebody will send her a message or say something to her. And then she, obviously it's not the right thing to say. They, they don't mean it in a rude way, but it comes across and like, not the way they meant it. So, what are some like some advice that you would give to people on how to help someone go through grieving in the right way and to say the right things?
1: Yeah, I kind of have a two-part answer. So, first, like to answer to you and your stepmom and your siblings, or you know whoever's dealing with the grief, and anyone who's listening to this that's that's going through grief. One thing I had to learn, and I'm still struggling with. I struggle with it, you know, all the time. But one thing I had to learn is everyone grieves differently. And I Mm -hmm. actually knew personally a good friend of ours, a family friend, had been widowed a year before I was. And I also knew of a couple different people, like more like acquaintances that had lost their spouses and mm-hmm. i myself remember looking back and i'll tell anyone this like you are quick to judge someone when you're not going through it you can say mm-hmm. oh my gosh like how are they doing that when they just lost their child or their spouse or their parent like why are they doing this or how how can they be laughing already or like oh my gosh they're smiling like shouldn't they be more sad or oh they're too mm-hmm. sad they need to be happier you know and i get i get that stuff all the time i mean i would people would pretty shocked to see the messages I've gotten for taking my kids to the cemetery frequently or me Mm. doing something with friends or whatever, where there's just so much judgment from people who have not experienced. So my first part answer would be, you have to learn and remember that everyone grieves differently. So my way of grieving would be different than, you know, another widow that I know. And your way Mm. of grieving may be different than one of your siblings. Um, so you just have to remember that because the comparison factor of all of this can get to you and the judgment can. Mm-hmm. So that would be no, my I, piece of advice. I definitely
0: agree. I definitely agree with that because um I think we've already experienced a little bit of that. You know, when he passed away, it was actually his it would have been his birthday a couple days prior. I'm sorry, he wasn't 48, he was 49, because it was his 50th birthday a couple of days later. And we had a little celebration for him because he had planned it and he had wanted a birthday party, you know, for his last birthday and stuff. And he passed away a lot sooner than we expected. And so we had the party, and a lot of people were supportive. But I also had a lot of friends being like, how could you do that you know how could you celebrate him like even though he's not here i know even my stepmom like she went back to work pretty quickly after probably about a month after which for people are like well, how is she going to work like i don't understand but like my stepmom and i have talked and that's the way she's been able to cope with it like with her own sanity is going back to work and like being busy. I went back into my podcast, you know, a couple weeks after because I needed something to distract my mind. So what are you mm-hmm. supposed to do? Just like crawl in a ball and die? Like, what are you, you know what I mean? So it's, right. yeah, it's definitely, like you said, important for people to know that, everybody's different. Somebody that I know who lost his wife and got remarried shortly after. And a mm-hmm. lot of people have been judgmental for that. But again, we don't know the situation that he's in. Like we, We're we not in his situation to know what he's going through to judge him. Um, so yeah, it's definitely important for people to be aware of that before they make judgments.
1: So that was more for people who are going through it and people who are trying to help and support and lift others that that are close to them going through it is, is to remember that piece, but on their side of it. I mean, I had a lot of people, I still, to this day, I have people who give me so much grace and understanding for the fact that I'm I'm not totally the same as what I used to be and I may go days without responding to someone's text or I may not have sent thank you cards for like some of the meals that people brought over or gifts or you know just like grief gets Mm -hmm. to you in so many different ways and for me personally, I have had people who have just given me a lot of understanding and like I said, grace and that's the biggest thing that I would say for someone trying to support others who are grieving or going through things is to just try to be as understanding as you can and give as much grace and to try and remember that not everyone is would do the same as you would in that situation and that you alone probably would think, okay, this is how I would handle it. But until you're in that situation and processing it yourself and going through it yourself, which, you know, nobody wants for someone else to have to go through something like this, but to just remember that everyone goes through this in different waves and patterns. And it also hits in different ways too. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I just would say, you know, reaching out like meals were huge people would bring meals for us and diapers and wipes and gift cards and not that you have to do anything like that but that was so incredibly helpful for me because I did not even have it in me to like go to the grocery store to like go shopping like and make let alone like make dinner for my kids like I couldn't even process what was happening in my own life in front of me that the last thing I wanted to do was go to the store and buy groceries to make dinner so those are other like tangible things that were really helpful that people were doing, but then also emotional support. People would send me texts and say, I'd expect you to respond to me, but I just want you to know that I'm here. Like call me, Mm -hmm. like know that I would do anything and that we love you. So that was huge as well. But the judgment factor of it is something I emphasize a lot to people just because I've had a lot of judgment cast on me and my kids from not even in hateful ways either. And I understand that it's not from a way of like judgment of like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Or I can't believe you, but it's just more of like, are you okay? Like you're, you're doing this. I just want to make sure you're okay. Or it's just not understanding it. Yeah. Just not understanding. And so just when you go at it with love and understanding, it perceived, um, so much better and, and, you know, I can understand that if someone comes to me and says like, Hey, I'm just worried about you. And like, I saw that you were doing this or, you know, I, I heard you say that you wanted to do that. I just want you to know, like, that may not be the best thing to do, but like, I'm here for you. Or let's talk about this first, Right. rather than someone being like, well why are you out doing that? Like shouldn't you be doing this instead or why aren't you with your kids or why why do you go to the cemetery yeah. so much? Like aren't you dwelling in your pain more and doesn't that hurt more? Like those are the tidings I get sometimes and you know just a gentle reminder to people that everyone goes through grief differently, lost differently, any hardship in life, everyone handles it differently right. and to just try and be understanding.
0: No, absolutely. And do you think that like go to do you believe that like going to the cemetery do you do that often because it is comforting is that a comforting um, place I, for you
1: it is yeah so I mean from the day that he was buried um we would go every other day then it was like two times a week we do like to go on Sundays like whenever you know before church was canceled basically we would go to church and then we go to the cemetery <laughs> um we yeah. go on like birthdays I mean it's basically just a place for us where it's comforting to know like that's our place in the world where if we want to like have a moment with him and although I feel like I have felt him in other places than just the cemetery it's just Mm -hmm. a remembrance place it's it's quiet it's peaceful and then there's like a statue of, of Jesus and it's beautiful for me to see my kids like running around and playing there and just finding comfort there and you know mm-hmm. even Lola who's 3 now we get in the car and I'm like okay hey, we're going to see dad and we pick up flowers and and she gets all excited and it's just our place mm-hmm. to go whereas some people it brings more pain and I can totally understand that too but yeah i would mm-hmm. say like it's it's our safe place it's our second home
0: and and we love it and i think for kids too i think it's good to have an actual physical place of, for them to grieve and for them to have that moment because yeah. Sometimes it's hard for even us, like when we don't have a specific place as adults to do that, I can't, like, as yeah. kids, it, it, it's a lot more hard for them to process. Yeah. So what about with your support system? Do you, are you, do you have a pretty good support system, like his family, your family, where when you do have those moments of just like, you feel like you're breaking down, is that really helpful for you? Or are you more of like a person who would rather deal with it by themselves?
1: No, I am, uh, I am a total, I'm a social person to begin with. And so for me being with people who support me and who love me and can talk to me, that's what helps. So yeah, I would say like, that's something that's been really beneficial for me is my support system. I have a lot of friends that are like family to me. A lot of Kale's coworkers have been like family to us and we have a very strong support system. So that's been great. My family did live out of the country and out of state for a while. But then after he away, my parents moved here immediately and um, lived in my home with me and helped me. And then my sister, they moved back um, to Singapore where they live. And, and my sister came and, and she lives with me now. And um, mm-hmm. she's a huge help too. And then Kale's family is about 40 minutes from us. and they're there when we need them too, And it's nice because I'm at a place in life now where I feel a lot stronger, um, most of the time than I was, Mm -hmm. you know, even just three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. So, um, you know, like I, I feel like people have surrounded us in, in the times that we need it. And there's always someone there and, that's helped me because, like I said, sometimes I need some moments, like I'll go to the cemetery alone, even without my kids, just to like process and kind of just feel. But it's also great to know, like we do have that support system, which is, it's huge when you're going through something like this, especially now that I'm an only parent.
0: Right. How has that been? Like the transition of being an only parent has like, have you had your moments of just being so overwhelmed or has your kids been pretty easy to like do it alone? Because I obviously being a single parent is so hard. I only ask because obviously, you know, I'm married, have my two kids. And then all of a sudden not having that, like, luckily you have that support and have family that's helped. So has that been kind of what's helped you get through it? Is the support of other people helping with your kids?
1: I would say I've gone through waves. Like I, there's been times where, you know, I had a ton of support right when it happened where like I have a huge blended family. So between like different family members being here and for the funeral and then staying after and then coming in the days after even and in weeks after after I had a lot of support mm-hmm. and I would say I didn't really feel the burden i I wouldn't say burden I mean it's it's a burden like it's beautiful too being a parent but like when you become an only parent it's it's completely Hard. different yeah you you have kids with your spouse or your significant other and you plan on being parents together and nobody right. plans on being a parent alone and so mm-hmm you know, that was very hard for me because last summer when things, the dust started to settle and things started like really setting in like around three or four months is when I really started to get a grasp on like, this is my life now. And people start going back to their normal lives. You don't have as much like support right there in front of your face you know that that was hard for me and luckily like my family's been super supportive and friends too I've had so many people step in but yeah I even to this day I get overwhelmed and not even just with everyday things it's also you think about the future and you know going through the different milestones and and ages and then also right. you stress that you're not enough for them. That's my, that's my stress every day is that I'm not, how can I possibly fill the shoes of someone who was such a good dad and had so much love for his kids. And now I'm left alone with them. And like,
0: I love being, yeah,
1: I have to fill both places. And on top of that, I'm not even where I need to be. So I feel like I'm at 50% capacity myself. And then I am trying to be the mother that they deserve and, filling the shoes of their dad who they deserved. And that's my constant worry and stress. But I feel like we're getting, we have a a routine, we have a schedule. I do have a babysitter that helps me so I can, you know, go get groceries or I'm starting to work again. And then my sister lives with me too. So I do definitely have the support and I'm so grateful um, yeah, but awesome. it's still, you still struggle with it. Right.
0: Do you think that you've gone through like this? Cause it's been what over a year?
1: Yeah, it was March was a year. So yeah, it's okay. been about 14 months now.
0: Do you think you've been through the, like the grieving? I know that people say there's like grieving steps of like, Sadness, anger. How has that been? And again, the reason I ask is because I kind of just like don't deal with it, and then when it comes on, it hits me really strong. My stepmom Mm -hmm. is very similar. She is one of the strongest people I know but I sometimes worry because I don't know how she's really doing. And I don't know how to like, I don't sometimes don't really know how to help her because right now, like I'm kind of in a stage of like anger. Like, why is this happening? Why? I don't understand. Like what, why would this happen? You know? And so I kind of comes and goes and then it goes to sadness and things like that. But I'm really good at kind of just pushing it to the side. I don't deal up it. And then, um, for example, like on mother's day, for some reason on mother's day, it hit me and then father's days coming up, which, you know, obviously, you know, that feeling of like something coming up that's like making you sick to your stomach like I don't want this day to come yeah so yeah I'm just trying to figure out kind of what to prepare for for that for myself and then for like my siblings and my stepmom because I want to try to support them in any way that I can
1: right yeah so the the different grieving stages um I'll be honest whenever I this first happened and I started going to therapy about a month after um, and then I took a break and then I went to therapy again. And now I'm like on another break. I refused to even look at the stages because, mm-hmm. um, in the first two, three months, I also had some anxiety going on. I wasn't sleeping. I, because of how he died, I was scared that I was going to go to sleep and not wake up, even though that mm-hmm. was irrational because I wasn't sick like he was. And I ended up finding out his the different factors of his death a a couple weeks after he died and we had more answers. To me, Mm -hmm. I thought every day that I was going to die from my heart stopping because my heart physically hurt and going to sleep, I thought I was going to die. And, you know, I was dealing with so many different emotions that were so intense that I was like, if I read, if I Google any of this, I'm going to get even more freaked out. And then I'm going to anticipate these feelings and I'm going to hype myself up. So I just knew myself and I'm like, if I read it, then I'm going to expect it. Or I'm going to throw myself into even more of a panic waiting for something to hit the fan. So I wouldn't, I didn't even read or research any of that, but then my, my therapist did start talking to me about some of those feelings. I explained how I felt about reading about them. She would start to explain in different ways. And, um, my biggest thing is like that I've learned now I've, I've, read them and research them. And I've read a couple of grieving books. And again, like I'm pretty good at awareness with like trying to check in with myself when I'm having like intense moments or days of like, okay, mm-hmm. what, what do I think is, you know, affecting me today? Um, now I can see I've definitely gone through the, the different stages, but it's not in order. And I was told that too, like you can go through the different stages in the order that they're listed. A lot of people back and forth between two of them or, you know, okay. go between all of them, but at different times and places. And for me, it's definitely been that way. And I would say I didn't even deal with the anger part of it until I hit a year. I had not an ounce of anger and I not, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong or, you know, whatever, but I didn't have any anger until about the year mark, something hit me where I, I did start to feel angry. Like, you know, the whole, like, why did this happen? And Mm -hmm. like, why is he not here? And then I kind of like, it's not that I was mad at him because obviously it's not his fault that he died. But like, I was, Mm -hmm. I have moments where I'm like, gosh, like, I like, I'm kind of mad that you're not here. I'm like mad that like, we can't talk about this and, or like parent this situation together or that I'm have to do this alone now. Um, so yeah, I've definitely gone through them. Yeah. So I've, I've definitely gone through the different phases and, and stages and, all of that. They've not been in order. And I feel pretty level-headed for periods of time. And then I'll be hit with all the different feelings for weeks straight. And then I'll kind of climb mm-hmm. out of it. That's been my and biggest... And do you let yourself feel it? Yes. That's the other thing I was going to say. I feel like I don't like to dwell on any feeling. And this has been me forever. I, I don't like mm-hmm. to dwell in my anger or sadness because I'm a generally like happy, like, let's go with the flow, kind of keep things moving kind of person. But I have had to learn that if I try to push through a lot of my pain for a certain period of time, it does pull me back. And I've fell into some deep pits of grief, learning that too, because I'll Mm. distract myself. And I've blogged about this and and I kind of talk about it here and there on Instagram. But I'll like go through periods where I'm like feeling something and I'm feeling the sadness creep in, but I'll just be like, let's go on a trip. Let's go mm-hmm. to a friend's house today. Let's go out to eat. Let's go to Target after. Let's wake up tomorrow, go on a hike. And then when we get home, we're going to watch a movie. And I kind of will make myself so busy that I don't want to like necessarily face it and deal with it. But then I learned mm-hmm. the longer that I did that, the harder it hit me. So now. Yeah. When I have those moments of, I'll have. I mean, this week has been a really hard week for me. You know, out of the blue, and I will start to feel my sadness. And then I, what I do is kind of, you know, when I put my kids to bed, or if I have a babysitter that day. Sometimes there's been days I've gotten a sitter just because I know I need to have a breakdown, and I will go to my room and turn on some music, and I'll just cry and let it out. I'll look at pictures and videos so I can just like sit in those feelings and feel it and. I would say eight times out of 10, I feel better after there's sometimes Mm -hmm. that just doesn't go away and it's never going to completely go away. But I totally believe in like honoring your feelings and having to sit in the suck for a little bit to kind of like express and then pick yourself back up. And that's, that's what helps me again. It does it doesn't help everybody, but like, that's what I've learned has helped.
0: Yeah. I feel like with all trauma and things like that, I, that's one of the things I say often is you have to feel it to heal it and Mm -hmm. it sucks. And I have to remind myself of that because I have a hard time with like feeling those feelings. You know, I'm, like you said, I'm really Mm -hmm. good at keeping myself going, 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 and let's, I don't have time to think. I just have to keep going. And then like you said, then it comes and hits you like a ton of brick. Yes. So last thing I just, you said that you found out some factors of his death a couple weeks later. What did, what happened? Did they ever figure out like what happened and why he passed away from the flu? Cause I think I told you a couple months ago, my daughter and I got influenza A and B back to back in January. Mm -hmm. Now I'm I'm thinking if it might've been the coronavirus, I'm not sure, but I do think that, I mean, we definitely were super sick and got tested positive for A and B. So yeah, I'm just interested to know like what they found.
1: So it it was complications of influenza A and then there were the other factors were that he was, you know, and this kind of gets like a little in a gray area too, but misdiagnosed as well. They didn't see that he had pneumonia. And then also a heart condition called perimyocarditis. Okay. It's basically like when your body's going through like illness or stress or whatever, the lining around your heart, it's something about it being inflamed. Um, and he'd actually had that a year prior. He was in the ICU for a couple of days, I think three days actually for that same heart condition. And it can be due to stress. It can be due to like you having a virus or an illness and then your heart and your body reacting. So yeah, mm-hmm. we ended up finding out that it was the complications of the flu. And then he wasn't diagnosed with pneumonia, but he did have it. And then the heart condition. So it was kind of like how the coroner explained it to me is, is just kind of like a a perfect storm of just different factors. So essentially he was sleeping and his body was like, you know, just, he started breathing so slowly and just, you know, lost consciousness and stopped breathing. breathing. So I, I did find some peace in that because, for me, knowing that he didn't, there was never a moment of struggle for him. Like he didn't wake up Mm -hmm. and like, you know, feel like he was suffocating. He didn't like wake up and have a heart attack or nothing else happened. He was, he lost consciousness and and stopped breathing in his sleep. Um, Again, there's some like gray area in that too, because, you know, just, it was so sudden and so quick. And I still daily think about like, how how can someone who's so healthy and young you know get the flu and and then pneumonia but like Mm -hmm. how does this happen but you know and and now with coronavirus like that struck you know something in me too because it made me scared knowing that there's an illness that could kill that's you know being compared to the flu but then at the same Mm -hmm. time I'm like Everything kills like in my eyes. I'm like, okay, coronavirus is scary, but like the flu is just as scary to me because of what we've experienced.
0: So exactly. Yeah, I am with you on that. Because my daughter had influenza, she was nice, um, in the emergency room with a fever of 105 for like two days. Yeah. And she's a tiny little thing, so that was so scary. And actually, that was like shortly after me and you had talked. And so I was like paranoid about that for a minute of like, holy crap, like if this if this flu took you know someone's like grown man like a grown Mm -hmm. man you know what I mean then what Mm -hmm. about my little daughter so yeah it's definitely scary and with this coronavirus going around right now it's I could see how it could cause a lot of anxiety for you but luckily like you said you you've already experienced the flu with it and it you know killing your husband that luckily that is like can't get any worse you know what I mean right um but I just think it was such a good time that I came across your story because obviously like when I first reached out to you, I just reached out to you because I was like devastated for your story and I had so much empathy and compassion for what you were going through. But not knowing what was happening gonna happen a couple months later in our family. Um I definitely think it was a you know miracle in the sky to kind of come across that. I've read your article more than once and it's been a lot really, really helpful, super helpful for me. So thank you for Telling your story and it's heartbreaking, but you are so strong, and your children are so strong, and Thank I just you. really appreciate you taking the time to tell us everything that happened.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing I've learned, and and one thing like I commend you for doing too, is is having something like this, like a podcast, for people to openly talk about like grief and loss and struggles and hardship. Is I've learned that connection is is power, and um, you mm-hmm. know, sharing my story. I felt like a pull to do that from pretty early on. And um, I wasn't sure why, but I've had a lot of people reach out who have gone through loss or ended up facing loss after we did. And for me, like that was the one thing I needed someone who had gone through this. I remember just Googling it actually, like one day right after I lost him, like, you know, young widows, like I just wanted someone to look at me and tell me that I was going to survive this and mm-hmm. um on my days where I thought the pain was so deep that I thought I, I would die just from the, the pain of this. And so that's one thing like I love sharing our story and I and I'm so open about it and it's so great when other people are too is because that's all we need is like connection and that's what helps inspire and get people through things and yeah so I think what you're doing is is so great too just because the more that people share and can relate and connect like that's what helps pull people through things and and that's like all I hope for with other people when they you know hear our story is is you know, I know I don't do it perfect. And I know like, you know, I probably never will. And I may never be fully healed, but like just being able to tell people like you will live and like you can feel happiness again and you will feel love Mm -hmm. again. Like that alone is what helped pull me through my darkest times. And so I just hope that I can be that
0: for someone else. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you. And um, if anybody wants to find Allie, you can find her on Instagram. Her name is Allie, A-L-L-I-E-X Whitworth, W-H-I-T-W-O-R-T-H. If you're going through grief or you're, you've recently lost a spouse or anything, um, you can message Ali on that. Also, again, Allie, get, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day for doing this with me. We've had to reschedule a couple of times because the corona and everything that's happened, it's been yeah. kind of crazy a few months. But again, thank you. And you guys, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow at Candle in the Dark Room and we will talk to you guys next